Hey, I'm Brett Gornick. I'm Jason Lobig. Welcome to the Live Better Podcast. As Nike trainers, international retreat leaders, and wellness advisors, we help people from all different backgrounds push towards their potential, get healthy, and change the world. This podcast is about teaching others to actively pursue their entrepreneurial dreams, similar to how we pursued ours, and how to get and stay healthy doing it. We didn't start our careers in training and wellness. Jason worked in public accounting, and I, Brett, worked in corporate retail until starting our dream experiential wellness business, Live Better. What started as an idea for a protein bar led us down a path to build what Live Better is now, which performs everything from personal training and corporate wellness to international wellness retreats and yoga and meditation for kids. We are here to encourage you to follow your dreams while holding you accountable. It's not easy, it's not always simple, but it is possible. Let's make today the best day ever. Welcome to the Live Better podcast. We are beyond hyped to have Erica Marie with us today, coach, trainer, fitness director, brand manager, and just overall badass and incredible mover. And like her shirt says, she is a legend. So Erica, <laughs> we are, we're happy to have you on. How, uh, how's your day going? It's going great. First of all, thank you, Brett. Thank you, Jason. We go way back, actually. So I'm super excited to be here. I'm super comfortable also to talk to you guys and just share, you know, my experiences, share what I do day to day so people can understand a trainer's life also. Um, and my day, my day is going good. So far, I've been to the gym. I've trained three hours this morning, um, did a little walking, a little mental thinking for myself to prepare for this interview. Um, usually I do that by listening to a Jay-Z album. So I listen to the blueprint <laughs> uh, through that's one of my uh, favorite albums to get ready for something, you know, for work or anything, you know, that's a, a big deal. And I just want to have this certain mindset. Um, and then after this, I'll probably go visit my mom, then make dinner, maybe do some programming, go to bed, wake up like trainers do at 5 a.m. And, <laughs> and go, you know, train people, try to make people better. What a full day. A full day. That is a full day. I, I know. I love that you, like, already are dialed in on some of the little, like, processes, yeah. like listening to the <laughs> album and talking. Can you uh, explain a little more about your day-to-day -day as a trainer? Yeah. I know when now it's a little less obvious I think to a lot of people listening is like oh you're a personal trainer but yeah. so many of us have so much more going on other than just one-on-one -on -one training can you talk just a little bit more about some of the projects that you're involved with some of the things you're doing at on your mark some of the things that you help coach Dave Carson who's also been on yeah. this podcast do just walk through like kind of all what you got going on because I think it's yeah. an awesome mix thank you I, I love this question because people do think that there's a certain style to personal training and also a day-to-day -day kind of basic routine. And it's it can be so different depending on who you are. I am a person who just tried to bring my style, my quote-unquote swag into um, conditioning training and, and training the general population. I started with, you know, training people for weight loss, uh, weight management, just getting people healthier through their diet. And that kind of turned into me being able to bring my personality through in my personal training sessions uh, and the way I dress to 
arrive to my personal training sessions. But day to day, I wake up around 5 a.m. and I'm training by hopefully 7 a.m. and not 6 a.m. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, love a 7 a.m. starting day. You know, I get my day started. I'm training until about 11 or 12 um, in the summertime, uh, Coach Dave and I do, do train athletes that come and they, you know, they want to work out around noon. So my day might be a little bit longer in the summers. Um, and then some nights I might go back to the gym around 4 or 5 p.m. to train people like student athletes who come after school or people who just do not want to wake up for an early session and they want to train after work. So as an as a trainer, you're basically an entrepreneur. You're you're marketing your business. You're trying to uh, fit your schedule around uh, client schedules, or you know the other way around, depending on where you are in your career. Um, but you're always marketing, and and that comes when you're trying to do other things. And you have to create other projects. So that's what I'm always about. I'm always creating other projects to just not be stagnant. I'm always trying to get to the next level in my life and especially in my career because I think it's a great influence to younger girls. Um, Previously, right before the pandemic, right before we shut down, I was helping Coach Dave and we created a basketball league. So for me, that is just keying in on brand development. For me, Yes, the day-to-day of your business may be fitness, uh, both of our businesses. So it's fitness, and but there are other reasons that people come to you. They want to see your personality. They want to ask you and be relatable to you to be able to be comfortable with you and open up to you. The more I can relate to a client, the better I can get them to open up about their diet. Um, the more I can get them to trust me with their body, even you know, throughout an entire hour, it's a very vulnerable position to be in. I'm like seeing your weaknesses. I'm seeing you can't balance on one leg. I'm seeing you can't raise your right arm like over your shoulder. Um, So all of these things um, that people really want to see is where the brand development and the projects come in. Um, So we will bring that basketball league back. It was great. It was competitive. People actually, you know, knew how to play basketball. (laughs) You know, some adult leagues, you're like, oh, my God, what's going on? But people actually came to play. It was kind of like we called it church, you know, our Sunday church. We met on Sundays, and there was three games. They went by very fast, two uh, 20-minute quarters in each game. And we just like had a blast with some cool captains. We even had a draft night, which was super cool right before the league started. Um, And other than that, I right before that, I was also doing social media for a brand called Sorry Madam. Um, And that's a black owned clothing brand that was here in Chicago. They just moved to D.C. But um, doing social media for them. So creating and directing like photo shoots just to market the clothes again. But that's a part of me as well. If I can feel, you know, my flyest, quote unquote, (laughs) (laughs) I will deliver better. You know, I'll have more confidence. And I think that's with everybody. You know, if I'm feeling good in my clothes, then I'm just going to be able to present myself in the way that I want to. And everything just flows. It comes out easily. I'm sharp. Um, and, And now I'm I'm just trying my best to push black women in fitness. So I just started a project where I'm going to record a series of videos that include all types of women, not just black women. But um, we just started with women of color 
just because I don't see it enough and I need to see black women who work out with functional training moves, who work out athletically, who were athletes and don't have that um, space where they can be, you know, competitive or aggressive in their movements and their exercises. And right now the world is very visual and virtual. It, it has been already, but now we're at the, like a peak of it. So I wanted to create these visuals that show um Black women doing athletic movements and working together and also using fitness as a, a way to improve their mental health or a way to meditate. Um, and that that's one of my favorite projects, you know, right now. But um, I have I feel like I always have so many projects going on, but I've learned and maybe we all did during the pandemic how to slow down, <laughs> <laughs> how to you know, maybe even organize better, schedule things, uh, not rush. Um, I feel like I've grown in that way over the past year where I don't have to do all the projects at once. I'm going to do, you know, what's serving the community in the world best right now. Um, and also just because I'm an entrepreneur, what do customers want, you know, right now? So um, to me, the projects are a way of expressing myself, um, a way of expressing what, you know, I can't say. Um, or I may not be able to say, um, or I may not be able to write in a rap lyric or something <laughs> like that, but a way of expressing myself in a way of relating to the customer, uh, that loves my brand so, so much that they want to train with me for years or train with my business partners. You know, I think it's really cool. Something that, and I want to get to a lot of what you just said, the, the first thing I kind of honed in on when you were talking yeah. about like walking into a session is that your clothes are also a, yeah. an extension of how you like approach clients, how clients see you, how they feel. You're really cultivating kind of like a vibe for a lack of a better term, maybe, yes. um, or a connection with someone where someone's like, I like the way this person's making me feel. Uh, and I like that you've even taken some of the visuals kind of into account with yeah. your clothing and then turning around. And this is something that Brett and I have always been not preachy about, but want to want to make uh, an important part of what we're doing is that your impact goes well beyond what you think you're doing for your client. Yes. Because you are an example for young black women, black women, mm -hmm. people of color, women in general, Always. like all of the, all of the demographics you could possibly identify from that. Like people are okay. coming in and seeing what you're doing. They're seeing the impact you're making and that all does get cultivated through like this kind of personal brand. Essentially your hoodie, people are going to be listening to this. Yeah. Love it. I won't be able to see it just in all caps <laughs> just says legend. Yes. Um, can you just yeah. explain that? Of course I have always, you know, had a passion for, uh, dress like clothes fashion but a part of me has always been this uh competitive you know kind of aggressive athlete in sport as well as in life right because in life I, I always feel like there's always going to be a challenge there's always going to be uh something standing in your way no matter who you are and especially um you know where I come from that there, there will always be some type of hurdle to get over and where I come from also, there, there aren't certain things, there aren't things that are like generational wealth. There aren't things that, a lot of things that are handed down that, um, like homes, um, like businesses, um, there aren't a lot of things 
that I can reach for when I'm at, like in my time of trouble from the past because we just didn't have that, you know, where I come from. But a legend to me is just it's just someone who creates that, who creates that, who creates this, uh, you know, step over these barriers and and kind of breaks these barriers for the generations to come. I think like we're at a time in the world where um, legends are, are being made because we're like our back is up against the wall in, in, in a lot of communities and in and a lot of our own experiences with the pandemic also. And there are people who, you know, made more money than they've ever made during the pandemic. And that sounds crazy, but um, that's what happens when you you're faced with something, you're faced with something where you have to kind of bring out that competitive nature where you have to decide, you know, who am I going to be? Am I going to be a person who makes this household name, you know, and I'll say Robinson, that's my last name. Will I make Robinson a name that will kind of never be forgotten in my grandchildren's grandchildren's can like, you know, kind of ride off of this name. And that's what kind of like legends are to me. And I think, I think I want us all to kind of feel like that right now because we are literally sitting here after everything kind of like changed on us in one day last year, like last March. Um, so I think we are, we're all legends. We, we, we've made it through this far, you know, and that's important to me. I'm feeling that vibe right now for us all. Yeah. <laughs> As you think about that and you think about, like you said, creating this for generations to come, I know that you, you know, you do a lot with youth development and, and helping that call back on, you know, you said that where you were from, that, that wasn't a thing. So kind of call back on how, you know, I think it's something that the aspiration is what a lot of people have and yeah. the action is, is a whole nother thing, right? You were talking about Jay-Z and I mean, his story, talk about a legend. It's like, you know, yeah. you see somebody that has now created this generational I- ideal and been able to do things and, you know, be able to create for his own family, but also for so many people that look up. So kind of like what in you has evoked this idea and now action to become this this legend? We, one of our favorite books, I don't know if you've read The Alchemist, but one of our favorite books and he talks about it he talks about your personal legend that's like his the author's idea of purpose oh Oh, you haven't read it oh gosh all right well once you read it you're gonna you're gonna find a new definition for that shirt um okay essentially the uh, yeah just give her a copy jay um so the the idea for the purpose is your personal legend and that's what he calls it um so i guess like how have you defined that and how have you worked through the, um, you know, the idea of not just like come, like being a part of where you were from and getting caught up in that and, and been able to like actually start to like, yo, I'm going to do this and like begin. Well, I, I love this question. First of all, the short answer is that you have to have roots and you have to believe in yourself. That, that's my short answer that you have to think about every day. <laughs> you cannot think about it once and think that you will be able to drive off of that for the rest of your life. It's like refilling up your gas tank every day. Um, you're going to meet challenges every day. So you have to 
you know, be able to call back on that. It has to be right here. You know, I'm pointing to my head, like in your mind at all times. Um, I come from, you know, a place where um, statistically, you know, people don't go to college all the time. I go, I come from a place where, you know, I may not have had something as simple as resources to a book uh, resources to a laptop. Um, and that's something that drove me crazy during the pandemic as well, because, you know, some kids didn't have that. Um, but I think that your personal legend comes from again, and I'm going to always go back to like your back being against the wall and you having to make a decision. I have a, I had a teacher, um, in the 11th grade and he, and he told me that anything that you do, you've made the decision, like you've contemplated it and you've sat there and thought about it. And it it took years to hit me what he was really saying. He's like, it it may happen quick, you know, uh, as a trainer, like, you know, when you're doing a hand clean, it may happen quick, but there, there are so many things happening at one time. Um, but when you make a decision, you do have to contemplate and sit there and say, you know, will I get up? Um, Sarah Jakes Roberts has this podcast, well, this sermon called girl, get up. And I love it. And it's like, will you get up off the floor for the future person that you want to be? Um, will you get up for, you know, things that you don't have yet, but that, you know, you, you kind of deserve. And I love that you go back to Jay-Z as well, because that's a big connection for me and my father. Uh, my father passed away when I was 17, but, um, Music was a great connection for us. It was a way for us to to talk to each other. And Jay-Z was one of the first artists that he put me on. You know, he's telling me about this guy who kind of came from the projects, um, kind of started his own business. And I always thought, wow, I I would want to be, you know, an entrepreneur because the goal is not to make money. It's to help all of these people that I see in my classroom, my, my, my family, my brother, my, my cousins, my, you know, people that, that I didn't get to see you know, to turn 30, I have family members that, you know, were killed or friends that were killed when we were 14, 15 years old and, and their brothers and sisters. Now I'm looking at them like, oh, wow, I really would love to help them and, you know, pay homage to my friend lost or my family lost. And, and that's where I think your personal legend comes from is the reason, you know, what is the reason behind what you're doing when you have a sense of um, faith that things will work out. The things that God is putting on your heart, some, that thought is coming to me for some reason. It's not random. Um, it's it's something that I've experienced, um, you know, speaking to God and, and hearing those things. And, and when you experience certain things, you have to kind of stop and think, why? Don't just, you know, walk through life mindlessly. If, if you know, things are happening, um, if you're experiencing certain things in your neighborhood, um, maybe you're the person to to change that. And I think the reason why um, you're able to get up every day, to get up early, to, um, like you guys, create things like this, like this podcast, there's a reason uh, something happened maybe, you know, in your life that made you say, you know, something needs to change out there. Like something in the world, in the world needs to change. Um, so I think the reason, yes, like behind it. I want to get to some of the the changes that I think that you are capable of making and that you want to see made. Dave said something on our podcast that like punched me in the face. He was like, what people don't understand is a lot of people that are coming from disadvantaged communities don't get the luxury of planning for the future because there's no guarantee of it. Exactly. It's like something of, 
privilege would be to say, well, I'm going to study and do this so that I can go to college, which yeah. will then grant me the opportunity to do this. And he's like, look, like, yeah, you can have all the personal responsibility you want to make all these decisions and do that. But like those guarantees are so much less yes. than someone who's coming from a means of financial security, family security, community security, cultural security, yeah. that somebody from a disadvantaged community, which obviously impacts communities of color way harder, doesn't have. And some of the challenges I think you were just talking about, like not having access to laptops, phones, but much less books. Like so we've books, been doing some, right. mm-hmm. some work in, in CPS with yoga and fitness and meditation. And something that was just like crazy to me was we, we made a second, uh, we partnered with, um, uh, a company called wellness for everyone to with Allison's okay. to deliver mats and coloring books to kids who are, I, I can't remember the exact definition. But it was like non-digital kids, okay. non-digital like kids. no right. access to internet, no access right. to this. So we had to deliver a physical coloring yeah. book alongside yeah. because the videos that we made, where are you going to play them if right. you don't have a TV or phone or a laptop? Wow. Um, and I think that it's interesting because we, we get, we do get boxed in as trainers sometimes about only being, only talking about fitness. And I exactly. think that there's a great way into well-being via fitness. That's mm-hmm. certainly the way that Brett and I got started doing all this was through fitness specifically. Yeah. And then it, it, it's expanded well beyond that. What do you think the first steps are to making wellness more accessible in those communities? Like what, what do we need to do to bring wellness in which is, we believe, a fundamental right, yeah, not, exactly. not a privilege, yeah. like the ability to exercise and have nutrition that nourishes us mm-hmm. and to be able to manage sleep and stress and do all these things that we make morning routines and yeah, evening routines exactly. out of when somebody just doesn't have access to <laughs> yeah. like the basic ability to yeah. manage their stress or yeah. go outside for a run. Yeah. What are some ways that you think maybe would be the first good step, whether that is facilitated by somebody who comes from that community, yeah. from outside resources, like you can kind of pick, I guess, how yeah. you the, talk the, through that. And I, and I love that. And I love that point from, from Coach Dave. And we talk about that a lot when the female black youth come in to train. It's important that they kind of see another black female conditioning trainer uh, skills trainer, uh, head basketball coach. The first thing you have to do is be able to relate to a kid. And I think youth training has shown me that my communication skills like can always be improved. Um, and I think that should sh- kind of show the world that, you know, black kids or kid people or people in these communities, even their, their parents, they need to see, uh, other black you know, conditioning coaches and leaders in the fitness and wellness community because there is a certain trauma associated with white people. Um, And I always say I personally did not meet white people until college, my college years. So I'm 18 years old and these are my first interactions with white people. So that's already instilled. So I'm, I'm a parent's age right now. Like that's already instilled in a parent's right now. It's like they've really never had any interactions with white people in wellness. Um, if it is some type of fitness or exercise, it's in sport. So that's, that'll be my second answer uh, is to to bring yoga to me also as a sport, but to bring sport into 
into these communities with the coaches um, where they're seeing you guys interact. I feel like if, you know, I, I, I've had situations where I'm coaching beside a white man and once, you know, a young black girl sees that I'm comfortable with him, she's more comfortable with him. So I'm not saying at all that we can't do it together. We should do it together because I wish, you know, when I was, you know, 12 years old or eight years old playing sports that I had a black female coach. I did not at all. Um, or I also wish I would have saw her maybe like interacting with a white person, but those type of things did, just didn't happen. So there's a 100% a trauma associated with um, to, like with this experience or a lack of experience with white people and especially with wellness. Um, so it's going to trickle down. It kind of trickles down to kids unless, you know, we, we try to break those generational curses. Um, and also my third answer will be in the schools like you guys are doing. That's a great um, way to implement it. And I, and just like black communities are, are, we'll call it food deserts because there's no healthy food. There are plenty of stores. Um, the lunchrooms are as well. Um, yeah. the, the food they're eating daily. Um, and these they're just like adults. You know, when we eat something bad, we feel it in our body. We feel it the next day. Um, and these things are, are starting when they're young and they're eating this until um, they're 18 years old. Um, this lack of they're having this like nutrition deficiency because they're they don't have access to these these type of foods that you know you see and then you get to college and you're like what is a sweet greens uh, <laughs> and you're like yeah. I'm, I'm so amazed I got to Purdue University and just things were amazing me that I had never seen simple things like a you know, waffle makers, like a salad bar. And these things are actually green. Um, the fruit actually has color and real, real green color, real green color, <laughs> not green. Number exactly. one, Exactly. and these things are like, Oh my God. And I'm embarrassed to even say that I, I I'm embarrassed. I was not anymore, but you know, when I'm, I have to act cool, let me act cool. Like, you know, I know what's going on. I know how to, you know, make my little, you know, salad, healthy plate or, you know, grab a smoothie, go for a jog, you know, th those type of things didn't happen either because I'm not, I grew up on 61st in St. Lawrence or 63rd in, you know, King Drive. These are neighborhoods where I'm, I'm not going to go for a jog. Um, and neither is my mother, you know, going to take me for a jog at that age because it's a dangerous situation uh, for us to be out running uh, without, you know, being able to, you know, get in a car at any time. And, you know, when you are at a, you know, a, a basketball court playing sports, because that's where I spent most of my time growing up, there there are situations that happen, you know, where there's, you know, shootings happening while you're outside. And now your mom really doesn't want you to go out at all. So then your sporting activities are limited now. And your, that means your exercise is, is limited. Um, and we may, you know, resort to things like sitting down, playing video games. Now kids have iPads now, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> but there is a dissociation with fitness and well is um, that it's not for us because it's just not accessible to us to be able to do every day. We can't, you know, get up and go for a jog. There isn't a smoothie bar, you know, down the street from our, our house. Um, my parents are are probably, you know, my mom did Jane Fonda a lot. <laughs> like, and that's something <laughs> that the she band did. work. Yeah, I, I love know, it. Like in the house. But um, yeah, th those are like my answers for sure. Like get some common ground uh, with the kids because I had that deficiency of never seeing a black female coach. And that made me feel like 
oh, if I don't go to the WNBA, then there's nothing else I can do in sports, literally. Like, I, I didn't know about being a personal fitness trainer. Um, I didn't know about, you know, being maybe a, a stylist for a runner, anything. Like, there are so many crazy jobs that I'm finding out about, but um, I didn't know I could go to school to study science to, you know, figure out how to get, you know, uh, to a two-hour marathon, like, <laughs> There, there, there are all these things that I just did not know. And all trust me, all black kids feel that way because we can't be what we can't see. It's just like that simple. Uh, the the, the uh, topic of exposure mm-hmm. is a two-way street because you also get the other problem from white communities where there's no mixed interaction. Yeah, exactly. So you get communities mm-hmm. of all white kids that come up yeah. that have never met a black mm-hmm. kid until mm-hmm. they get to college. So and then true. you don't yeah. have this, like you don't have this natural assimilation where you have this comfortability. It's like, right. we're both from Chicago yeah. and mm-hmm. there are plenty of all white communities in yeah. Chicago where you don't have that interaction. I think it's, it's, it's right. also like easy for us to write some of that off being downtown yeah. because well, that's a little less right. in Streeterville and, but just in general, being in a city, you have, you, you're going to have friction and you're going to have more forced interaction because it is a mixed population, but like mm-hmm. you get isolated yeah. in the suburbs and having that type of exposure. I grew up in Cincinnati and had way more interactions with like black kids, black friends, black teammates way earlier on, and then moved to a Chicago suburb. And we had barely any. I think there were like five black kids in my class, mm-hmm. 10 black kids in my yeah. class. And it was like a little bit less shocking for me because sports had already kind of integrated right. that for me, yeah. which is a, a, an insane facilitator. So I think if we go back and look at like some of those early exposures and we take that out as a, like a very obvious solution, when someone in a, in a black or disadvantaged community can't go outside for a jog how do you then tell, how do you then communicate to the adults? I think wellness does go upstream from the kids, but like yeah. the adults are the ones that can actually facilitate yeah, it and exactly. discipline it and enforce it yep. the same way that they do with food you eat uh, yep. to some extent. Yep. Um, is the home community centers and schools then like kind of the top three spots yeah. or like, are there other ways for white, black, whomever to help facilitate more safe areas to play. If like the street corner can't be like, Hey, we're going to shut this down for like a block party. (laughs) If we can't do that, how do we start to make some of these areas safer or communicate in a better way where like we can put this in people's homes? I mean, obviously like we got apps for free and that and whatnot but yeah I love this question there's so many great things in it um I first of all I love that you brought up you know both sides because there are both sides to like wow I've literally never met a black person or interacted with them and every um I'll just say white every white person whether man woman uh any race of person I've been able to relate to they probably played sports (laughs) And they've come up in a way where they were so young when they were introduced to it that this has been grown in them to be comfortable around any race. Uh, Because there are people who are very uncomfortable around me uh, because I'm I'm black and maybe I talk black or um, maybe I have a black 
presentation as well. And people are so uncomfortable. But if I meet someone else and I'm like, oh, you know, I, I try not to be biased, but I'm thinking like they played a sport probably. Or if I've met an older person, too, that's like my age and they're super comfortable around me or I can even hang out with them as a woman. I'm just I'm, I'm a tomboy, too. But as a woman, I'm a girl's girl. I always say that. And if I could just hang out with a, a girl, and we go for drinks and we talk and she's and and she could be any race like this is we're probably like play sports together before or um, have come up together in a way that is never anything where it's uncomfortable. Um, we can probably say anything to each other as well. Um, and we kind of protect each other, uh, in a way, uh, as like woman to woman. And I love that. And in any male also the same thing, but the way to go into just getting it, make a change in the situation where black people or people in these like underserved communities don't have access to wellness is to play a bigger role, uh, in the house individually. Um, and that's just as a human being, this topic came up a lot during quarantine. I, I had a little talk on Instagram called quarantine conversations, uh, where I just like interview people back to back, um, and one of the people I interviewed was a white woman, and she told me she was not going to raise her child to not see color um, since the pandemic happened because of everything that happened uh, with the George Floyd killing, um, Breonna Taylor, so on and so on. She told me that she was raised to not see color, and she said that that um, held her back from really realizing what um, other people's experiences were. And it's kind of like this thing that you talk about with being enclosed in your neighborhood um, and being in Chicago is like great for that. Right. Because it's super segregated and you're in your own little box and you think if something's not affecting you, then there's no reason for you to stop and think about it. There's Which no is reason. insane. Yeah, there's no reason for you because because your life is not stressful in that way where you're walking down the street or hoping you're not getting pulled over. And you also just have your life going on as well. The, you know, and because that's not to say that other communities don't have problems. They do. They have their, their own. But it's just something that's just not hugely affecting them. So why stop to think and do it? Because because they're not seeing color. You know, I had um, a friend you know, she was offended because, you know, someone told her like, oh, I'm sure the police don't bother you. Um, and that's because she's light skinned with, you know, straight hair, but, but black, but black. Yeah. But black, she's black, but light skinned with straight hair. And I think, you know, a white person made that assumption that, oh, you're they don't bother you like you're light skinned, uh, you're nice, you hang out with white people. Um, <laughs> and she's very and she was like very offended by that. And that is also to kind of show that. Um, colorism is a thing as well. Uh, and that happens in, in, in underserved and black communities as well. Um, and it's unfair to the point where like there's stuff on the inside of our race that happens and, and the outside as well. Um, but if you just take it back to the roots of in home, what are you going to teach your son? And maybe my conversation, you know, with this woman who told me that, she was raised not to see color. She wants to change that now. Now she wants to raise her white son to see color, actually, so that we can, as humans, this is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to care for other people. We're supposed to be considerate. We're supposed to say, I see what you're going through. Um, I'm here for you if I can be uh, not, you know, kind of box it out. And um, 
again, with us trying to install it in the home, it just starts with us. With the protests this summer and everything that was going on, I think people really forget that these things have been happening. This police have been, um, you know, brutalizing uh, underserved communities and black people and pulling people over and doing bad things. Um, these things have been going on. They're just being recorded now. Um, so this is our life. This is something that we experience every, every single day. Um, but if you, you know, have uh, opportunities to put a black person in a position um, where that is not what the only the news sees and the community sees. Like if you put black people on the board of programs, on the board of your wellness program, um, in positions, uh, in political offices, um, um, places where we would, we would think they would never be. Like I was just saying something as simple as seeing a black coach. Um, you will change the narrative in your home. Um, your kids will grow up to be a different type of person. Your, your kids will grow up to be able to have mixed race friends or black friends and be able to relate for them or maybe even stand up for them if they needed to. If you decide not to do that, then the world is just going to keep being the same exact way. Um, if we don't see black men and black women in positions of, of power, positions uh, of success, even simple things like voicing and being able to speak up for themselves. Um, we'll just continue this like kind of reckless cycle of not caring enough about each other as human beings. Yeah, you, you talk about a lot of, of really important things there. One of the things that I'm just getting from and, and starting to think about a lot here is that you know, we, as we talk about youth development, as we talk about seeing people of, you know, of different races working together, of putting people in power in good positions that deserve it, regardless of, of what race they are. I think one of the things that I, I draw from that is when we're young, we're in our formative years where we don't have any say in understanding of the world. And there's a lot of research on conscious versus subconscious behavior and how from, you know, ages zero to seven, we're very much in this being molded state because we don't have any, like we can't do anything on our own because if we leave, like we're not going to even be able to eat. So for you and, you know, this is something I think, you know, you see people regardless of their social economic status fall into most of the time, just the norm of their community. So, you know, if you're raised in a place that's, that's not as not doesn't have as good education or nutrition or gang violence, or on the other side of it, you're raised in something that's very much of like a racist community. You see a lot of people, you know, fall into that. So being coming from a, a part of the city that was, that was tougher, like how did you yourself break away from that and become and do what you're doing now? Like what practices, like where did you wake up and say, you know what, I'm not going to fall into this. I'm going to do my thing and I'm going to continue to work hard and, and break down these barriers that were set up. Like I, I just, I commend you for that. And I'm just like, how, how did you do that? 
I love this. I love it. Uh, and I appreciate the compliment. Like, <laughs> how'd you get here? Uh, I love it. Um, I think I always go back to like something or, you know, continuously there are things like happening to you and, you know, you, you choose to stand up and, and kind of do something about it because of the people you love and the people that you want to, you know, be able to take care of or the people you want to be able to motivate. And that's my, my family is, you know, very important to me. Um, I don't talk about it much and maybe it's because, you know, my job is to motivate people. Um, I don't want to be sad or I don't want them to, you know, get into a situation where they're starting to think about their trauma. But um, my father passing away was a big deal in my life. And it happened so young that it affected me in such a great way in my, in my thought process, in my mind, because now that's where I can communicate with him. Um, when we were, we were younger and me and my father were very, very close. Um, I mean like best friends, um, just in my, and I also have a, you know, a younger brother. So him and my mom were best friends so that it kind of worked out, but we were best friends. And, you know, he came to me one day, uh, at a barbecue because we love to barbecue and said, I can't swallow the food. Don't tell your mom, you know, something's not right. And, you know, I'm like 15 years old, 16, but we're just best friends. So he'll tell me everything. You know, a week later, we we go to the doctor and, you know, what doctors say they um, and I was trying to be a doctor at this time. But uh, they they say, you know, we think it's this. We think it's cancer, but we just have to be sure because they don't want to say if they're not 100 percent sure. Um, you know, we find out it's cancer and he lived with lived with the esophageal cancer for one year. Um, so we found out a week before Father's Day, a year later, he passes a week after Father's Day. So all of these things are I'm always going to stop and think about what some what this means and what God is trying to tell me. Um, and it, it just it happens really fast. And it's a weird thing to see, you know, have this view of a person who's a Superman, strong, your best friend and his body kind of just given away. And you see a person get tired and you see, um, you start communicating, communicating with them in a different way. Um, and we just start talking more, you know, during, during those times. And I, and I knew, you know, what he was trying to tell me was to, you know, you're going to be the leader. Um, I need you, you know, I need your help here. I need you to, you know, take care of, of your mom. Um, and that, and that could just, that can mean any, anything, right. That can mean like emotionally, that can mean just support, support the family. Um, but, that um, year and that moment plays a big a big part in my life and like who I am today is why I journal. Um, I think when I was younger, I, I, I did suffer a lot of loss and a lot of it was uh, to circumstances that we, we, we may have couldn't control, which is uh, our diets sometimes and uh, the access we had to, to certain foods. And maybe that's my mind going there, you know, as a nutritionist and trainer, but um those moments to where I would, you know, see um, relatives, you know, deteriorating or, you know, medical situations happening, it kind of strayed me away from medicine and wanted to go into like preventative health, uh, which is wellness to me, which is wellness and, and fitness. And I, you know, I may not be able to save every person in my community and get them, you know, out of the community, out of as in the mindset, in my opinion. Um but I, I can affect who who God allows me to affect. And I want, 
you know, I always said, like, I never want a, you know, a younger girl to lose her father because it, it was hard. But um, it, and it's still hard every day. Like grief is just like an ongoing process. But um, when I feel like, you know, when something like that happening to you that young, um, you, there has to be a reason for it and there has to be some type of communication that you're getting from God to that's telling you or from, you know, whoever you pray to um, that's telling you to um, have faith in what's next to come. Because the, those are situations where people, you know, lose their mind. Like you, you, lo- you lost a parent or you, any anybody in your family, like any tragic event, really, you you could lose your mind. And, and like my pastor always says this and and, it, and my therapist told me to <laughs> relax. And like, if you have to lose your mind for five seconds, go ahead. Um, but um, that's what I'm rooted in. I'm rooted in um, showing a different way of living in my community. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm like rooted and committed to showing um, my family, um, that we have like these options out here in this world too. We have this better, you know, we have living, we have food, we have exercise. Uh, all you have to do is do like a little 10 minute, um, you know, workout a day and and you can be healthier. Um, I don't, I don't know if you guys know, but I did once in my fitness journey, way before I became a trainer, I lost 60 pounds. I was like, yes, I was like 60 pounds overweight. And I did it so easily by doing, once I committed to it mentally, I, I journaled, uh, every day for five minutes, every day I could, uh, maybe I skipped a couple days, but, um, and then I did 10 minute workouts like daily, um, whether that was like on a video, um, or whether that was, you know, a quick, like little jog, um, or running workout outside. I did 10 minute, 10 minute videos, um, 10 minute workouts are, are super efficient, just, all you have to do is get moving and eventually it will become habit. But that's the trainer and me preaching about that. Like eventually it will become habit. But um, I'm rooted in that, the, you know, the weight loss, obviously, um, and just presenting like a different, you know, different narrative um, to people to into wellness. Yeah, I think one of the most ongoing conversations I had all of last year is to, which you just touched on with the 10 minute workouts and being able to lose 60 pounds, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. I've only known you like super (laughs) fit. So I never knew that. I love it. Um, is just that fitness is not all or nothing. It's not like 60 minutes in a perfect gym with all the equipment in the world. Like you got 10 minutes, take 10 minutes. You have two minutes. If you did two minutes of burpees, you're going to die. Like Scott, you don't need 60. (laughs) You don't, it doesn't have to be all perfect. Um, but I, um, but I think it takes, First of all, thank you for sharing that about your dad. I think that it takes an extremely, unfortunately, probably forced you to be this way, but it takes yeah. an extremely mature disposition to take that out of it rather yeah. than be destructive. Yeah. But you also said something earlier that I found that was interesting, which I would love for you to talk through if you're comfortable doing is, and I don't want to in yeah. any way compare my situation to yours, but I find myself with this very contrasting personality of being hyper aggressive and also trying to be very vulnerable, empathetic, and calm in my presentation to clients, how I kind of carry myself in the world. I would feel like coming from your circumstances with your individual experiences, especially losing your dad, how do you balance in what I would imagine would be in some, in some ways very helpful 
how do you balance having this like kind of aggressive competitive outlook with this chip on your shoulder coming from a spot where you know you were at a disadvantage to now kind of like being in this position where you're, you, you have embodied this mindset. Like it's real. real. You have a business, you are impacting young black females. You are impacting people in general above Mm -hmm. and beyond that. How do you balance that aggressive chip on your shoulder, competitive side with making sure that you keep yourself happy now. Yeah. And you mentioned too, you mentioned church and therapy, which both are yes. amazing outlets. Yeah. yeah, they are. What else? And journaling. And journaling. What yes. else do you do to make sure that you take care of Erica so that you get to still take care of all these yeah. other people? Um, I love this question. I definitely recommend um, therapy. Um, it's a great thing to be able to talk out something with someone who doesn't know anything about you. Um, and it's, that's also something that's not popular in the black community. Um, we, we just go to church and pray and that's always a great outlet too. Um, as well as journaling. Sometimes I, I, I do, you know, go home at night and sometimes, you know, since we do, we're business owners and we have this hyper aggressive personality. So it's like, we might finish our day. Like, did I do this? Um, (laughs) did I, Oh, you know, I was supposed to do something like April 23rd. Now it's like May 5th, but, um, we're constantly thinking about what we should have done. So I think it's healthy to go ahead and sit down and think about what did I do today? You know, did I accomplish like, you know, three things that I wanted to do today? Um, and in that I, I'm, I've learned to be realistic. Um, and that's a great way to balance your anxiety, to balance your mental health is to be realistic about what you can do. Don't set to do 30 things in, in 24 hours, you know, set up the, you know, look at the week. And for me, planning out a week is a great way for me to, um, monitor my mental health because when you feel accomplished, you are happier and you, do have better emotions about, um, and better mental health. Um, when you feel like you can't get something done, sometimes you may feel like a failure. Um, and that's a lot of stress on the body mentally and physically. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm a great, um, planner. I just like to sit down and maybe for five minutes, uh, set my timer for five minutes on my phone and I'm writing out, you know, things I feel like maybe I accomplished that day. Um, or maybe even things like that I wanted to do, but maybe I'll do them tomorrow. Um, and be realistic in doing that. I, I, I also am a big, uh, corny quote person. Um, <laughs> you know, I love like, look, look for the good in everything. Um, you know, anything I want to do, I can do believe in yourself. All of those corny things are corny because they're true. And because like, every, we all know them. Um, and it's, and it's because like, sometimes things are that simple, Um, and sometimes you have to like vocalize it and remind yourself of that. Um, and I watch, to be honest, a lot of Beyonce documentaries. I don't watch them because I'm working, but I listen to them and I let them play, you know, while I might, you know, do work or, um, and I'm just hearing her talk about, you know, like work, work ethic and, um, also being, having such a busy schedule and having good people around her to calm her down. She always talks about her mom. And my mom's always telling me to work smart, not hard. And it's always important to have good mentors like David Carson, like Autumn Merritt, um, to be able to 
get that um, perspective of somebody who's already where you want to be or have has have have something that you want or you know just a good person um, that can lead you without bias or without any um, you know motivation for themselves and they're just trying to help you out so it's just you know pay attention to the five main people around you all the time and, and I say like that that's gonna affect your mental health you know, a lot. Um, and also, you know, walking is underrated meditation and underrated cardio, like a good 10 minute walk can help really clear your mind, uh, really get you focused on one task. You know, maybe you do have something big coming up and you can, you know, sit down and I mean, not sit out. I mean, you can, you know, go for a walk for 10 minutes. You, even if you don't have a little pup, <laughs> like, <laughs> which I'm starting to love now, but you can go, you know, go for a walk around your neighborhood that you may, see something that you've never seen because you're always just driving and, you know, so busy. Um, I do like post-its as well. I'm, I'm going to write a good quote on a post-it and put it on the wall or the door, you know, before, before I leave out. Um, I think it's important too to listen to good music. Um, I love a, a good playlist. Obviously I love music. I think everybody knows that. Um, but it's just to refresh your mind at all times. I think people do think that mental health, um, or being happy is a one-time thing, or it's a one material thing that kind of comes, but it's really, a, you know, a daily effort, um, to be your best, to be your best self and to be presentable in the way that you, you want to be, you know, I always want to be able to look back and say, you know, um, me and coach Dave calls, calls it phoning it in. Like, I don't want to ever phone it in. I want to be present. I want to do my best. Um, you know, child, I'll say child on this podcast, cause child, that could be anybody in the workout class. And that could be a person that could change your life, or it could be a person in the line at Starbucks, you know, that could change your life or, uh, that teacher that I spoke on earlier. He also taught me that you never know what a person has been through, you know, before they've come in the room five minutes, you know, five minutes before, before you've seen them. Um, and I'll say one more thing is that um, I always just pay attention to how people feel too. Like the podcast uh, with the girl where she's telling me she was not raised to see color. Like it helped me also because I got a softer side for white women, if that makes sense. Because I'm like, well, literally maybe she didn't know, you know, I had yeah. a person, a white woman who, you know, touched my hair and, I asked her not to. And she's like, what? I've never heard that. You know, you can't touch black women's hair. Like in, in my mind, I'm like, I'm literally telling you that you cannot do <laughs> yeah. not touch my braids. Or I think I had braids at the time, you know, or my Afro. Um, and it took me a minute, but obviously I want to be able to be a, a good human being and, and say like, okay, maybe this is an opportunity for me to learn, you know, how to communicate the right way and get off what I'm trying to say. And maybe, you know, this will make both of us better people. Um, yeah, always be present. Yeah, I love that. I think the yeah. couple of things that you pull from there, I love the walk. I think it's just so underrated, mm -hmm. especially now with being on Zoom calls all day and just not being able to move around. Um, exactly. You know, one of the things I think that, that this will tie things up cool is that we always ask everybody, our motto mm -hmm. is to have the best day ever every single day. And so if Love you me. could do anything you want tomorrow, you get to wake up. There's no quarantine restrictions. It's anything yeah. all in. What does your best day ever look like? I love it. Well, it definitely has to start with 
a cup of joe um, with a little bit of oat milk and maybe some sugar-free syrup. Um, I'm always going to, you know, FaceTime or call my family in the morning, um, you know, say a quick prayer. Um, I mean, I would love to go ahead. I'm a Sagittarius, so we're travelers. So I, I'd fly really quick to, you know, wherever Jay-Z and Beyonce are and train, <laughs> train them. Uh, Michelle, uh, Barack, whoever, <laughs> fly really quick to train. You know, one of the four of them are. We could do a group training session. Um, <laughs> and then something more relaxed after that. I feel like an hour of training is tough, you know, like especially when you have to deliver, you have to have your personality, you know, and doing something for uh, someone like that would be uh, a lot of work, obviously. And then, you know, also just like going into a room, you know, where I work to make a big decision on, on something, you know, on the board of a, of a wellness company or a wellness department in a, in a company like uh, Starbucks, uh, you know, where I'm wake, making big changes in my community. Um, there's a, a new Starbucks like on right in the middle of Inglewood. You know, maybe I'm making some decisions for that for education, um, you know, for for youth development and youth um, development, education, coaching, et cetera. Um, and then just like obviously like calming it down with a nice little, you know, dinner. It could be a date, <laughs> but uh, dinner, you know, um, so maybe some some green tea and or red wine. Cabernet, preferably. <laughs> well, that's, that's a day. Well, I'll give. I'll, I'll text Jay after the call and get get you guys on, on okay, the line. Thanks. So yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll hook we'll you up, up yes. with that for sure. Yes, I might. I might. Uh, you know, FaceTime you guys not for long because we'll be training. Yeah, we but yeah. You'll make sure his squat looks good. Yes, exactly. Love it. <laughs> awesome. Well, I mean, obviously, this has been this has been incredible, and I think you know one of the things that I'm drawn from this and just, you know, seeing you and, and knowing you for quite some time now is that you are that legend and you're working towards that. I think that's the thing is like, it's all about the continued effort and that you've said that in so many different beautiful ways during this episode that it's not one thing. It's not one day. It's not one opportunity. It's literally the day in day out. Um, and I think that if people can get that from this, that doesn't matter where you come from, doesn't matter what's happened in the past it's today and onward and i think that it's the small things it's the walks it's the 10 minute workout it's the decision to eat something healthy versus not i mean it's those little things that just compound over time and so uh it's just super cool to to see and, and hear that and from you and continue to see you just do really cool stuff uh where can people find you if they want to work out or follow along I love it. They can find me on Instagram at I am Emery underscore. Um, I get a lot of engagement there. I post a lot there. I post workout videos that you can do with equipment or without equipment. Um, and I'm in the, in the gym, you know, training, training daily. So if you ever want to train, um, if also if you ever want to, um, do a nutrition program. Maybe that's for you. Maybe you start there. I started with nutrition before actually like doing a lot of exercise just to get some body weight down. Um, so you can always just find me, find me on Instagram, reach out there and we can make a bigger connection, you know, after that. Amazing. Awesome. Well, Erica, we, first of all, thank you for being You're so welcome. candid and sharing your story. Yes. People are going to get a ton out of this. So we just want to thank you for okay. being here and sharing all that. I and appreciate we appreciate this. you. I appreciate you guys so much. I had fun. I had a blast. 
I was like nervous and excited. <laughs> I was ready it. though. Always ready. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you guys. Thank you.